A Gift of True Esteem by Appledell Chapter 10 Hi, Harry, Sarah said brightly when he dropped by her small office one afternoon after lessons. Afternoon, Sarah. How was your day? Oh, thrilling. She smiled at him over a file folder she was looking at. How was yours? Absolutely stupendous, he told her. That for me? Yes, the Ministry sent over this quarter's new trace pings for pre-Hogwarts kids, so that we can update the list. Minerva reckons there's a name on here that'll interest you. She held out the folder. Harry took the folder with interest. Oh? Whose? She didn't say. Sarah began to pack up her bag, tossing in her travel mug and a day planner. I'm off. Outgoing letters for you to sign are at the bottom there. You're a treasure. Have a lovely night. Thanks, Harry. Same to you. Sarah slung her traveling cloak on. Mind if I use your flu? I meant to have dinner with my mum, and I'm a bit late setting off. Harry waved her toward it. Of course, have it. Thanks, Harry. And she stepped into the fire and was gone in a moment. Harry sat down at his desk and opened the file folder. At the very top of a small stack of reports was a name that certainly did catch his eye. 25th January, 1842. AMRS called to number four Privet Drive in Little Whinging. Daisy Dursley, age six, levitated both her parents up to the kitchen ceiling in order to finish eating a pudding that had been forbidden to her. Miss Dursley became distressed upon finishing the pudding when she discovered that she could not reverse the spell and return her parents to the floor, as well as suffering stomach pains due to overindulgence. AMRS on the scene at 1847 to assist. Both parents returned to the floor with no particular trouble. Mungo's liaison trainee healer, Bates, offered Miss Dursley a stomach sweetener potion to satisfactory effect. Both parents provided with contact tokens in case of future occurrences. Note, Mr. Dudley Dursley advised that he has a magical relation and was provided with assistance in leaving the country during the second rise of He Who Must Not Be Named. AMRS consulted with DMLE and Aura records confirmed. Miss Dursley's mother, Mrs. Marissa Jennings Dursley, reported no previous contact with the magical community and was briefed on the statute of secrecy by AMRS agent Russell. Another adult member of the family, Mrs. Petunia Dursley, was absent from the residence at the time, but Mr. Dursley assured AMSR that Mrs. Dursley is well up on the statute of secrecy. Draco came in with his pile of marking, just as Harry was finishing reading the report through for a second time. Hello. Oh, why's your face like that? Harry wordlessly held the report out to him. Draco skimmed it. Dursley, do I know them? The name's familiar. My horrible muggle cousin, said Harry. And his daughter, who apparently is a witch. Oh, Draco looked the report over again. I see. He sank onto the sofa and looked up at Harry. How might we be feeling about that? I don't know, Harry said, shaking his head as if he might clear it with the motion. I... He took a deep breath. I think I want to check in on that little girl. Make sure she's all right. If Dudley's anything like he was when I lived with him, he's not too keen on magic. Harry drew another deep breath, trying to steady his nerves. Hmm. Draco looked down at the report. He did let accidental magic give her that potion for her tummy. He's afraid of wizards, said Harry. Grown-up ones, anyway. I see, Draco repeated. I think maybe you could use a calming draft. You look dreadfully upset. No, 
I've got to keep my head clear. Harry grabbed for his cloak from the coat rack near the door. You want to go now? Yeah, this happened weeks ago, Harry said, gesturing at the report so that he bumped it in Draco's hands. Who knows what could have, what could have happened by now? Daisy Dursley isn't you, Harry, Draco said in a firm, calm voice that Harry knew was meant to talk him down a bit. I know that, but I, I just can't leave it. Got to go and see. I have to make sure. I can't let some other kid get treated like that. Okay, Draco said in the same firm, calm voice. You've also got to leave a note to let Minerva know you've gone, and you've got to bring me with you. Fair enough? Harry nodded. Okay, right. Yeah, good idea. He seized a quill and scrap of parchment from his desk and scribbled a note, then flewed it to Minerva. Draco had stepped out of the room to fetch his own cloak, and Harry paced, waiting for him till he came jogging back in. Brooms to Hogsmeade and then apparate, Draco suggested. Flew to Hogsmeade and then apparate. Save time. Right. The first thing Harry noticed as they approached Number 4 Privet Drive, even through the gloom of a late winter evening, was that there was still a newspaper sitting on the porch. That struck him as very unusual, as did the very small pair of snow boots next to it. Draco pressed his hand briefly. You know what you want to say? Harry nodded and pressed the bell. A plump, rosy woman with stiffly curled, bleached hair answered the door with a slightly grumpy expression that changed to surprise as she took in Harry and Draco's robes and cloaks. You with the, uh, the other ministry, then? No, we're not with the ministry, said Harry. We're here to speak to Dudley. Is he in? Just a moment, said the woman, who must have been the Mrs. Marissa Jennings Dursley mentioned in the report. She pushed the door nearly shut and called back into the house. Dudley, Dad, turn the telly down, I'm trying to talk to you. Dudley, there's some more of those people to see you, at the door. Come. Oh, just pause it for fuck's sake. The door shut all the way, then opened a moment later. This time it was Dudley, looking even grumpier than his wife had. But his face lit in pleased surprise the moment he saw Harry. They gaped at each other for a moment, before Dudley seemed to remember his manners. You'd better come in. He opened the door a bit wider to allow Harry and Draco to step inside. The house was not at all as Harry remembered it. The furniture was rather worn, for one thing. But what was more, there were brightly colored plastic toys scattered throughout the front room. Even Dudley had never been allowed to be so careless with his toys as to leave them in the sitting room when he wasn't playing with them. Miss Daisy Dursley was not in view, but there were many photos of her hung on the walls and set on every surface blonde and pink and chubby and beaming in all of them, wearing a yellow bathing suit and building a sandcastle on the beach, inexpertly eating an ice cream cone, being hugged and kissed by her mother, being hugged and kissed by Aunt Petunia, swinging on a swing set. Harry began to feel rather hopeful. It's been a long time, Dudley said, breaking the silence. Yeah, said Harry, shaking himself. This is my colleague, Professor Malfoy, he gestured to Draco. Oh, Dudley nodded. You work for the school, then? I'm deputy headmaster, Harry told him. I, um, uh, we received a report from the ministry that your daughter used magic a few weeks ago, and I wanted to, uh, check in. Dudley didn't flinch at the word magic, 
but he looked troubled. Yeah, I don't wonder that you did. Right, said Harry, trying not to sound harsh. Was that the first time she'd used magic in front of you? Dudley tilted his head thoughtfully. Not exactly. There were little things, like stuff we were sure we'd put away was down where she could reach it. Seemed like the color of her shoes would change. Little things, and, you know, Riss thought she was imagining things, and I didn't want to jump to conclusions. He seemed to realize suddenly that he was keeping them all standing, and sat down, waving them toward the sofa. Harry and Draco sat as well. So, back in January, the pudding incident. That was the first time you were sure Daisy used magic, Harry continued. Dudley chuckled. Couldn't exactly deny it after that, could we? Did you try and convince Daisy to let you down? Draco asked, speaking for the first time. Dudley looked at Draco. Well, yeah. Daisy, I'm going to count to three, and you better put us down. Stuff like that. Didn't work, though, did it? Putting on the brain, that one. She's mad for sweets. She finished the thing. I thought for sure she'd be sick. It was meant for four people. How did your wife feel about it? Harry asked. She was a bit frightened, Dudley said, looking concerned again. Still is, I suppose. It isn't the sort of thing they've got pamphlets for at the pediatrician. Was she upset? Harry asked. Or angry? Dudley frowned. I think she was, uh... It didn't really take, at first, what was going on, you know. Maybe she thought she was dreaming or something. She was a bit annoyed about the pudding. She thought Daisy would make herself sick as well. You know what it's like to see your kid doing something they know is naughty. It gets to you a bit. But as soon as Daisy realized she couldn't let us down, she started to cry. And that set Riss off as well. Daisy's got Riss wrapped around her little finger. Both of us, really. After that, it was all, Oh, don't be frightened, sweetheart. Mummy's all right. Mummy will be down any moment. Don't cry, darling. You know. What became of your wife? Draco asked. She answered the door, and then she disappeared. Daisy's meant to be tidying up a room, so I think Riss is probably seeing that she does. Dudley grinned and looked about the sitting room. Should be pretty easy. Every fucking Lego brick in the house is in here, I think. Could we speak to her? Harry asked. Sure, don't see why not. Dudley got up and ambled toward the stairs. Riss! Marissa! Couldn't borrow you for a moment, could I? You're doing bedtime story, then. Marissa appeared in the mouth of the stairs, looking slightly exasperated. Nothing better, said Dudley, kissing her on the side of the head so that she cracked a smile. Riss, this is my cousin, Harry Potter. He works for the magic school now, deputy headmaster. And this is his colleague, Dr. Malfrey. Professor Malfoy, murmured Draco. Right, said Dudley. They've come to speak to us about Daisy. Professor Malfoy, said Marissa, smiling at them, but with a certain wariness under the smile. That's a cool name. Sounds a bit like a Sherlock Holmes villain. Thank you, said Draco, shooting Harry a perplexed look. I'll look in on Daisy while you speak to them, Dudley said, giving his wife another kiss on the cheek. Back in a minute. Marissa came properly into the sitting room and took the chair Dudley had just vacated. So, you must have heard about the pudding incident. Harry smiled politely. Hogwarts gets reports of accidental magic from the Ministry, so that we're aware of children born to non-magical families, and can add them to our list of potential students. He cleared his throat. Um, 
Mrs. Jennings Dursley. Marissa, she corrected. Marissa, Harry continued. Thank you. Dudley tells us that the two of you hadn't witnessed Daisy using magic before January. Would you agree with that? Marissa frowned thoughtfully. Well, not caught in the act like that. Not undeniably. It was just little things before, and we'd never seen her at it. Did you ask Daisy about it? Well, I mean, you can't really ask your daughter if she changed her shoes from pink to yellow, you know. It's silly. So we just kept thinking we'd misremembered somehow, or we were thinking of the shoes she had last summer. Things like that. How did you respond to Daisy levitating you? Harry asked. Marissa scrunched her nose. I sort of thought I was dreaming. I told her to put me down, then I just focused on, that's quite enough pudding, put it down or you'll be ill. And then she couldn't get us down, and that was really scary, actually, that I couldn't help her when she needed help. Marissa blinked away a tear and wiped the corner of her eye with her fingertips. Of course, Harry said quietly. I understand. Dudley reappeared just then, and Harry looked up. Dudley, I meant to ask you. How'd your mum take this? Does she know? It was hard to imagine Aunt Petunia taking kindly to magic of any sort, and it was her who worried him the most. Where is she, anyway? Dudley went very serious. She does know, yeah. I was really worried to tell her, as you might imagine. But we've been living here since Dad passed a few years ago. Daisy can't even remember when we didn't live with Mum. I didn't want to just uproot everything for her, unless I really had to. Of course, I wouldn't stay here if Mum, you know, if she'd be how she was, when... If she'd be how she was with me, Harry finished, dully. She wasn't? No, Dudley said, somberly. She went a bit weepy about how Daisy'll grow up and leave us to be a witch. But none of that, that nasty stuff from when we were kids, the name-calling and all that, none of that. Are you certain? Draco pressed. Yes, said Marissa. She adores Daisy. Dudley nodded. Could we speak to Daisy? Harry asked. Sure. Dudley stepped onto the stairs and called up. Daisy, sweetheart, could you come down here, please? Where's Petunia? Harry asked Marissa. She's at Daisy's school, actually, Marissa told him. They're organizing a jumble sale, and she's decided that sort of thing is her area. Dad? said an imperious little voice behind them. Hey, Big D, said Dudley. Harry turned from his conversation with Marissa to see a small girl with a pink dressing gown on over yellow pajamas with bunnies on them, descending the stairs. She had Dudley's round, pink face and curly blonde hair like her mother. Dad, you said we'd read Charlotte's Web after I cleaned my teeth, and I've cleaned my teeth and you left me. We will read Charlotte's Web, D, but there's someone here to see you first. Dudley held out his hand toward her, and she took it when she reached him. Daisy, this is my cousin, Harry. He's a teacher, and he's magic, just like you. Daisy's face lit up. Just like me? Hello, Harry said. He couldn't help grinning. Nice to meet you. Daisy Dursley offered him her hand. How do you do? He shook. This is my friend, Professor Malfoy. He's a teacher as well and he's also magic. Daisy shook his hand also. Do you teach magic? Very astute, said Draco. We do teach magic. 
I hear yours got away from you a bit recently. A little bit, Daisy conceded. Will you show me how to get my mom off the ceiling? She gets scared, added Daisy confidentially. Many people would, making uncharted visits to the ceiling. Want to see me do some right now? Daisy offered. Yes, said Harry at once. We'd love to. Okay. Daisy looked about the room for a likely object and screwed up her little pink face in effort. A plump green velveteen cushion rose up from the sofa and floated jerkily across the room before it cuffed an unsuspecting Dudley in the back of the head and dropped onto the floor with an airy thump. Hey, exclaimed Dudley, looking round. Careful with my head, you big bully. I've only got one. Harry let out a wild little snort of laughter, which sent Daisy into giggles. Harry composed himself. That was very impressive, Daisy. Thanks, Daisy said modestly. Do you ever do magic in front of your grandmother? Harry asked. Daisy frowned. Not really. Nana doesn't like it much. Does she get angry? Harry asked. Daisy thought. No, she cries. It makes her sad. She doesn't shout. She doesn't say things that make you feel bad. Daisy shook her head. I think she wants to do it too. But Nana and Mom and Dad can't do it. Just me. She considered a little more. Mom said Auntie Lily could do it before she went away to heaven, but... She glanced guiltily at Dudley. I'm not supposed to talk about Auntie Lily around Nana. She gets so sad. Auntie Lily was Harry's mom, sweetheart, Dudley said gently. The news seemed to rattle Daisy. Her eyes went wide, and she reached for her mother's hand, as if having a dead mom might be catching, and she had to reassure herself that her own was all right. Harry wanted to say something comforting, but there was nothing to say. Would you like to see some magic, Daisy? Draco offered after a moment. Daisy nodded shyly. Okay. Draco took out his wand and pointed it at the fallen cushion. It turned into a little bunch of yellow daisies. Draco stooped and picked them up to offer her. Daisy gaped and took the flowers without thanking him. How do I do that? It's quite tricky, actually. Draco told her. Flowers are a bit difficult to try and show you tonight. You learn things like that at our school. Daisy looked round at each of her parents in turn. I want to go to that school. You have to be a bit older, I'm afraid, Harry told her. You're not allowed till after you're eleven. When will I be eleven? Daisy demanded, looking at her mother. Not for five years yet, Dee, Marissa said. Daisy began to look rather as if she might be about to have a fit of temper but her mother headed her off. I think I remember hearing something about Charlotte's Web. You still want to hear it? It's getting late. Yes, I still want to hear it, said Daisy. Are you going to read it to me or is Dad? Why don't I start and Dad'll finish, okay? I'll be up in a minute, Big D, Dudley told her. A big minute or a little minute, Daisy asked. Hmm, maybe a medium minute, Dudley told her, smiling. Get on. Mom's better at the voices anyway. Daisy sighed wearily, as if she'd had a very long day. Well, that's true. She gave her mother's hand a little tug, and they went off up the stairs together. Nice meeting you, Marissa called over her shoulder. Likewise, said Draco. We should go, Harry told Dudley. We've taken up too much of your night already. We just wanted to check in. Oh, don't run away, 
Dudley said eagerly. If you don't mind waiting a few minutes while we get Daisy to bed, we could all have a nightcap. Catch up. Not tonight, Harry said. Some other time. I'll write to you. It was good seeing you, Dudley said earnestly. You're so... grown up. Harry half laughed. Good seeing you too, Dud. When they left the Dursleys, they had well and truly missed dinner in the Great Hall, so when they apparated back to Hogsmeade, they stopped in the Three Broomsticks, instead of flewing straight on to the castle. That could have gone worse, Draco said cautiously, when they had butter beers in front of them and were waiting on their fish and chips. Harry shrugged. Yeah. He fiddled with the label on his bottle, tearing a corner carefully away from the glass. I'm really relieved that she's all right, and they're treating her well. She seems like a really bright kid. Dudley has grown up a lot. So, it's something else bothering you, then? Harry swigged from his bottle. It's... I'm all right. Draco waited, his eyes patient on Harry. I really am all right, Harry repeated. I didn't say you were coming apart at the seams, Draco answered quietly. I said something is bothering you. Is it? Harry sighed. I'm really, really glad that Daisy is all right. I'd never wish on anyone what I went through with them. They've really... They're so much better. But... Why couldn't they have pulled it together and been kind to you when you were there? Harry shut his eyes for a moment. Well, yeah. I know it's awful, but I can't help thinking about it. It isn't awful, said Draco. It's natural to wonder and to feel mistreated. They mistreated you. You don't have to feel guilty about wanting people to be good to you. That's sort of baseline. Harry tore another corner off the label on his butterbeer. It wasn't magic they hated so much. Not really. It was me. They hated me. Why have so many people wanted to hurt me, Draco? I don't understand it. I don't know, Harry, Draco said gently. You don't deserve that. You didn't. Too right I didn't, Harry realized he was raising his voice when a group of middle-aged witches sitting on the other side of the pub looked round at him and began whispering to each other. He lowered his voice. I was just a kid. I didn't do anything wrong. Of course not. It isn't fair. No, Harry heaved a great sigh. It isn't. Draco reached across the table to take his hand, and they were quiet for some time. When they had eaten a few bites of their supper, and Harry felt a little more even-keeled, he spoke up again. I want to tell you something. I should have told you already, but I wasn't sure about it, and now, well, I know I've got to. Draco set down his fork and wiped his mouth. All right. Well, uh, just after the beginning of term, Minerva told me she's retiring next year and she wants me to take over as headmaster when she does. Draco raised his eyebrows. Well, well, well. Prodigy Potter strikes again. You can't be an adult prodigy, Harry said impatiently. Congratulations is what I should have said. I wasn't sure I wanted to do it, really. You should do it, put in Draco, if you're asking my advice. I'm not, 
said Harry. Just listen. Sorry, go on. I'm too young, really, and I don't know enough about the traditional ways of doing things. Not that I want to do things the traditional way necessarily, but it's one thing starting from scratch because you know the old ways inside and out, and you've decided they're rubbish. It's another thing starting from scratch because you don't know your ass from your elbow. There are cultural things that I'm not going to understand. I want to make things better, without being clumsy about it and ruining things because I took the job before I understood them properly. But in the back of my mind, ever since Minerva spoke to me, I've been totting up the things I'd want to do differently. We desperately need to do something to support Muggleborn students so they don't come to Hogwarts feeling completely lost and leave feeling like they have to choose between their magic and their families. I quite agree, said Draco. But it'll be uphill sledding, getting the Board of Governors and the Ministry on board. Yeah, Harry swallowed. I can see that. So I'm hoping you'll help me. Of course, I'll do anything I can, as my deputy, Harry interrupted. I want you to be deputy headmaster. Draco blinked in surprise. You're joking. Pretty feeble joke, Harry said, smiling hopefully. I don't think I can do it without you. Draco took a careful breath. You don't think we'll get sick of each other, spending so much time together? I think we're obsessed with each other, Harry said, bluntly. We spend every waking minute we can together already. Do you really think we'll get sick of each other? No, Draco admitted. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around the fact that you... you trust me with Hogwarts. You love Hogwarts more than anything. Not more than anything. I love you, Harry said. Then added, that isn't why I asked, though. I asked because I want to do a good job, and I need you to help me work out what a good job is, and how to show other people so that they understand. I asked because I think Hogwarts needs us, together, as a pair. Be my partner? This is starting to sound like a marriage proposal, Draco said faintly. I already unproposed to you once, Harry tapped Draco's moonstone bracelet. What's one more? All right, Draco said loudly. The table of witches looked around again. I'll do it. Let's do it. That's a yes? Yes, 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 let's do it. Harry pushed off his stool and wrapped Draco in a hug. And in that moment, he wasn't sure if he'd have been more excited and satisfied if Draco really had agreed to marry him. Harry chapped the door of Minerva's office. Come in, she called. Harry opened the door and stepped inside. You wanted to see me? Yes, do sit down. Harry took a seat and rubbed his palms along his armrests, steadying himself. Professor McGonagall set down her quill and looked intently at him. You seemed rather agitated in your note. Well, Harry sighed carefully through his nose. I've satisfied myself that my cousin's daughter isn't being fed through a cat flap. She seems all right, happy and healthy. Professor McGonagall drew her eyebrows together. Through a cat flap? So you didn't know that the Dursleys fed me through a cat flap in my bedroom door the summer I was twelve because they thought I'd use magic in their house? Professor McGonagall seemed stunned. That's absolutely monstrous. Harry nodded morosely. Yeah. Why did you never say? Maybe you should have asked, 
Harry told her. We should be asking. That's my point. He glanced up at Dumbledore's portrait and found the frame empty. Dumbledore must have been on a visit to another portrait. I'm glad we don't have to be generals like he was. We don't have to. Maybe he reckoned it was a fair trade-off. My childhood for ending Voldemort once and for all. But we don't have to think like that. We're not coaching them to be little heroes, just teaching them magic. Indeed, answered Professor McGonagall, her voice slightly unsteady. I want to make Hogwarts better. Better than it has been. I know I'm not as great a wizard as Professor Dumbledore was, or as you are, Minerva. But I still think I can make it better, as headmaster. And I think I have to try. Now you come round to my way of thinking, Professor McGonagall said, smiling thinly. I am convinced you can make Hogwarts better than it has been, and I very much wish you to try. Harry nodded. I'm going to. I've decided to take the job, and I've asked Draco Malfoy to be my deputy. Professor McGonagall sat back in her chair, her eyebrows shooting toward her hairline. Well, I suppose I should not be surprised to hear it, after seeing the two of you practically inseparable all year. I hope you don't disapprove, said Harry, knowing it would not make the slightest bit of difference to him if she did. Not at all. I think the two of you might make for a very potent partnership. ETL Echo Echoing Tales of Enemies to Lovers